Hey, how was your weekend? Oh, not too bad. Got to hang out with some friends, play some D&D. Oh, yeah, D&D. Yeah, you know, I've always kind of thought that that sounded interesting, but I could I could never get into it because I, I just don't know how to play. Oh, yeah? I can I can teach you how to play. Ooh, that sounds cool. Perfect. All right, so you approach a dark corridor. The hot, humid air is ripe with an odor that stings your nose and makes your eyes water. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 what? You hear a small scraping sound coming from your left. What What are you talking about? Suddenly, you feel an impact to your side. You look over. You see a small green goblin trying to tackle you. Ha oh, ha now I'm picking up what you're putting down. It's like the green goblin from Spider-Man, right? What? No, a small, vile creature with gnashing teeth biting at you. What do you do? I... I- I call out for help from Spider-Man. Oh, God. This time on Becoming DM, we're talking about running a game with little to no prep. Hey, everyone. This is John. And this is Danielle. And before we really jump into the into the topic today, I want to just take one quick step back because I know that there may be somebody listening saying, isn't this just like the improv episode you did a little while back? And and yes and no, it it it, it kind of is because it does deal with some uh, aspects of improv, but where the improv episode was really focused on how to improv, especially when your players kind of took you in a direction that you didn't expect. Um, This is really about running a session where you really haven't had time to prep for whatever reason, and you have a session coming up, and there really isn't necessarily input from the players on what's going on at this point. You're just kind of starting from that zero point and having to figure something out. So it's a little bit different. Um, there will be some techniques that are that are uh, that are the same, but the conversation I think is going to take a little bit of a different turn on on that. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say, Daniel? Absolutely, and that's you run into that a lot with with uh, game mastering or dungeon mastering. A lot of the skill sets for a lot of things are similar. It's just how you approach them and what other tools you're going to implement to make it happen. Yep. So let's talk about why this is important, and and I think that there's there's a couple of different reasons. At some point, every DM in their DMing career, if you want to call it that, is going to get into a situation where they just don't have time to prepare. Uh, life gets in the way, let's just be honest. And and being a DM can sometimes be very time-consuming on top of that very time-consuming life. And so sometimes you just don't have time to prep for the session or you have very sporadic time. And when you have that time, you just don't want to do it. Um I, I have this happen to me actually quite a bit. Uh, what about you, Danielle? Oh, absolutely. I, I like to keep a really, really busy schedule. And I found for myself, it got harder and harder to maintain, um, I think, what, what would commonly be referred to as like a standard campaign with, with mm-hmm. Dungeons & Dragons. Because it does require um, a lot of pre-planning, right? Like I, the first campaign I ever ran, I did hours and hours of work before before running the players through it because you know I, I thought I needed to um, and I just I, I kept running out of time to do the kind of preparing that I wanted to do to get the the gameplay that I kind of was after at the time yeah and it the if you're running a game like that where you've done a lot of prep 
that prep can really be helpful, uh, but it, it can also get you into this mindset that you have to continue doing this high level of prep before you get, have a session happen. Um, what I typically have done with, with my game is I've done a lot of that prep way, 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 way before we started playing. And as we've gotten farther and farther out from that prep, I find myself oftentimes doing less and less prep between <laughs> sessions. And so it, it becomes a, a, a situation where I've got some knowledge on the back end because I understand how my world is set up. But then going forward from there, it's it's completely off the cuff in, in a lot of cases. So I think that having the skills to do this can be can be good whether you're planning on just never doing prep or whether you started out doing a bunch of prep and and maybe from time to time or maybe you just move into this thing where you where you're not doing any prep for your sessions another thing is that uh, you could just not be skilled at doing the prep um i've 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 known people with uh like um who have trouble focusing down and sitting down and writing a bunch of prep and stuff like that. And so they feel like they can't do dungeon mastering because they can't do all of the prepping that they see other DMs or GMs doing before their campaigns. And that's why I think that talking about this is important because it does showcase the fact that you really, you, you, there's no requirement for you to sit down and crush out 14 pages of exposition before Friday night for your campaign you can you can not be able to focus on writing a book and still be able to do this. Yep, absolutely. The 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 it, it, it's like the phrase "Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good." Um, don't get stuck with saying I'm not going to run the game because I haven't done this. To use your example, 14 pages of exposition. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to pull the trigger and and go. Sometimes that's the thing that that gets people doing the dm thing rather than thinking about doing the dm thing yeah and that that can be a huge um inhibitor to new people trying the dungeon master thing is they think that there's all of this this backlog of tasks that they need to complete before they can do it and and that's a little bit of a bummer to me because there there are people who would be wonderful dms but they just they're not about to sit down and and do all that planning and the other side to that is if you've never DM'd before, um, this would be a really rough way to do your first session. <laughs> it, <laughs> it really would. It, like, unless you're really good at improv and you've done a lot of improv in your life uh, in other avenues. Um, it would be rough, but to do a short little campaign with almost no preparation, uh, it would give you an idea about what kind of preparation that you actually need to do for a campaign. Yeah. Uh, just just being able to see kind of oh I never thought about that oh that's interesting and sometimes it's going to be things that that maybe you had thought a little bit beforehand but hadn't done a whole lot of prep and maybe it's something that your your players ended up doing that you're like oh well that's an interesting way to approach it maybe I should think about that when I do my planning mm-hmm. um, but don't don't charge people to come to this game it's not going to be a good game <laughs> so. Do do only do that with like friends, people who are accepting of of stuff going sideways, and uh, maybe not going out as planned. Yeah, one of the things that I think is actually kind of a neat way to look at at um, at running sessions with with zero or very little prep is it's it's the way for you as a DM to go on the adventure as well. It's because. If you get into this whole plan and plan and plan and plan thing, 
you can get into this thing where you feel like you're the narrator in this story and the players are just doing everything to derail your your narration and stuff like that and they, <laughs> they can get get you into a, a spot where maybe you're not as happy but by going with very little prep you have zero expectation on where things should end up and so you get to kind of be on the adventure too and i think you had an uh, an example about about how you've approached the game like that um did i remember that correctly yeah, I sure did. I ran an entire campaign once. It was it was a year and a half meeting weekly. So it was, it was a long, big campaign. And all I knew before going into it, into starting the campaign, was I named my big bad evil guy. His name was Zelgrim. That's, I, I knew who he was. He was a gnomish halfling. Or an, a gnome, right? A gnomish uh, guy. And that's all I actually knew about him. I was like, this is going to be the bad guy. And then I just stuck him in a village. Nowhere near where the bad guy may or may not have been. I didn't know where he was. I just mm-hmm. knew who he was. So they had like some direction to go. And so as they kept encountering things, I had to keep adjusting my big bad evil guy because I didn't really know anything about him. I was learning about him at the same time that my players were learning about him, which was really nice because it gave me the opportunity to really roll with my story. Everything could change on a whim because I didn't have, like we said before, 14 pages of exposition that I'd have to throw away because my players chose not to read this book. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so I didn't know what was going to happen in any given session. I just rolled with what they said and I took notes, take notes, do that. And, uh, and yeah, it all just, I just had to weave everything that happened each session into the story. And it was just kind of like baking bread. And the very last session of the entire campaign, um, the bread was delicious and it was, it was just so much fun. Mm, Bread. I know. (laughs) You you know, in, in my game, it's, it's actually, I, while I did have some planning, a lot of the things that were the large overarching themes or that were um that were uh things like a like a like a the big bad nemesis big bad evil guy or whatever you want to call them they're not really necessarily evil in this case mm-hmm. they've just done some bad things um those didn't really get put into play until later and and a lot of the things that the players did kind of helped me to find who that was. Uh, I've mentioned some of the the mechanics around my game, so I won't get into that. But basically, they kind of defined at least who one of the lieutenants were. And then by having to, based upon their actions, build him out a little bit more, I kind of started figuring out the structure as things went along. Um, But I don't think I've actually ever written down any sort of documentation about the the, the big bad... um, to date. Uh, so it's been it's been an interesting little ride. It's always fun when you get to go on the adventure too. Um, yeah. I, I think for me, because I once once I started doing the low prep adventures, um, I actually have almost entirely stopped doing any preparation for any of my campaigns. I find when I do too much preparation or when I did do too much preparation that I was months worth of sessions ahead of my party and so I knew what was going to happen which is good because then you can react very easily to what your players are doing but I got to this point where I was getting bored because I knew what was going to happen so far in advance Mm -hmm. and it, it, it doesn't move 
fast enough when you know all the answers because you know that there's cool things coming up and you want them to get to those cool things. And when are you going to get to this thing? Come on, come on, come on. Yeah. And so for me, it, it, it kind of put me in this bad spot that I didn't like to be in. And, uh, and so that's, that's why I like running heavy, heavy improv. Yeah. So I, I mean, I still do the, the, I still have things that are things that I think would be neat to happen. If they don't happen, they don't happen. But I I do still have a few things that are in the future in my game. And I I do, I will agree. I I find myself, even though it's not like a very rigid, structured, planned out thing, um, I I do find myself going, I'm so ready for them to get to this thing that I think (laughs) is probably going to happen in in two, three more sessions. I'm excited for when they experience it. And, And it's, it's it's a, a little bit of a mixture of of no planning and planning because I've got like a high level idea, but I haven't done anything to to flesh it out. So, um, but let's go ahead and and maybe move into we've we've been talking about kind of the whys and the and the whats, but let's talk about how we address um, running the game in this in this sort of way. And the first thing I think you have to do is really ask yourself how you're going to play that game and we're really kind of getting getting down into the nuts and bolts of how you're going to play that game because yeah we're going to roll dice and stuff like that yeah sure um but like talk about talk about battles and and how those are going to play out because those are really going to change what you can and can't do with uh with little to no prep Mm -hmm. you really have to know going into it kind of what what you're planning if you're planning so if if it's a visually dependent game right Uh, whether that's real life or on a virtual tabletop i know lots of people who just who just put down a a grid and you know put x's on it and draw a line here and that's a wall and that's fine absolutely fine and i know other people who want to have a miniature and models of little houses and you know everything fully built out if you want to do a really, really heavy visual dependent game, uh, you're going to need to have quick access to maps and tokens and minis, whatever it is that you're planning on using. And you're going to want to set those up in a way that they're organized and like quickly accessible to you. Um, nobody wants to be at the table and, you know, that, that infamous DM saying, roll for initiative and everyone's like yes and rolls for initiative and you're like give me 20 minutes i'm gonna sort through this box <laughs> i gotta I've get got. this all put together <laughs> yeah it's like all right everybody go get supper i'm gonna play around down here for the next hour <laughs> yeah and and if you are playing on something like roll 20 or if you play in person um like i do sometimes and use something like ark and forge where you're still using digital maps i would say that there there's a couple ways out of this hole um First off, if you just search for uh, for D&D battle maps, and this is like an off time where you're not necessarily actively planning, it's good to have sort of a, we'll call it a backlog of battle maps so that if you are like, all right, well, here we go, and you end up having a battle that's in a, in a forest along a stream, um, if you've gone out and, and done a little bit of searching over however much time months weeks years whatever and just done some google searches of D 
battle maps. Um, you can find a lot of pre-made stuff that people have published out there. And if you have a little bit of a sorting mechanism to, to say, all right, here's my folder with wilderness. Here's my folder with, with city. Here's my folder with roadside. And, and that way you can very quickly go through your folder structure and pull up a map and say, all right, here, here we go. We're ready to go without having to do that 20 minutes. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to spend some time and I'm going to build out a map. Um, but if you really want to go that way and you want to have some high quality maps, that's probably the way I recommend to do it. Um, it does require a little bit of time to get a backlog built up, but if you, if you spend 10 minutes a week, um, you can get you can get that backlog built up built up pretty quickly. Absolutely, and if if you're doing it with something like Roll Twenty, where you're online and you want a visually dependent campaign, and that this doesn't even matter if you're doing a low prep campaign or a high prep campaign, um, having some maps preloaded and ready to go into Roll Twenty, you're going to need to do that whether you're improving an entire campaign or you've got it planned out four months in advance. Um, yep. You know, like I always, no matter what I do, as soon as I fire up any Roll20 campaign is I load in a wilderness map, a road map, a town map. And you, there's like, there's those base maps that you just need to find. Just get those in there. You're going to need them. You're always going to need them. You can, you can put your entire party in a volcano for six years and, and all of a sudden you need a forest map and you don't have one. <laughs> and I think that the, the important thing, whether you're doing digital maps whether you're doing uh, maps with with like actual physical pieces or dungeon tiles or whatever, I think that the big important thing here is just be organized with your stuff. Because if you're if you're organized, you can make up for a lot of no prep and and just just really get it to be um, a, a bit easier to to move from situation to situation. I think another thing is no matter how organized you are, like you could be the most organized person in the world, um, but before you start your session, always just take a quick look through what you have available to you before the start of the game. Um, just so that, because you never know, somebody could have gone, you know that you've got these 14 little goblin miniatures sitting in this box and, uh, somebody came through and did you a big favor by dusting or rearranging. And all of a sudden this, <laughs> this thing that's super crucial to the, to your campaign that night isn't there. And so always just take a quick look through your supplies, know what you got going on. Uh, so you don't end up with one of those really long drawn out breaks. Well, and, and on the on the other side of that, if nobody touches your stuff, if you have accumulated maps and <laughs> minis and goodies and stuff like that for long enough, it's possible that you forget what you have. And so when it comes time to, oh, they're doing this, this mountainside battle, oh, man, I don't know if I have anything like that. And if you look through it beforehand, then you'll know, oh, I've got five different maps that are mountainside battle maps. I can choose from those five. <laughs> <laughs> Could also save you some money the next time you see this this brand new fancy Kickstarter. It's like, oh, I don't have that. Nope, you do have that. You bought it five years ago. You just never used it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so that but, was that was like yeah. if you're doing those those maps, those visual, highly visual things. Um, but 
some people don't do that. Some people do theater of the mind as, as listeners of the show that have been around since the beginning probably know. I did wholly theater of the mind until shortly before we started this podcast. And and at that point, I, I did digital stuff. But there's still a lot of people that just do theater of the mind. So what do you think that they need to do um, to, to prep for, for that kind of stuff? The bonus for somebody who who kind of does theater of the mind is there's a lot less prep regardless of what kind of campaign that you're running. You don't, you don't need all the fancy little tids and bits at the table. Um, if, if you're describing stuff, if you've been describing stuff for a long time, chances are you're already strong and practiced in it. Um, if you haven't been doing it, it's, it's a, you need to build this. You should build the skill anyways. Um, nailing down those descriptions and so you can save a lot of time with that. For myself, because I'm in this in this type of campaign, you're going just completely off um, the cuff. What I use is I use an index card and I just have it set next to, like I pin it to my DM screen. And I just have it with descriptor headings that are quick references for me so that I know what things I need to address as we're going along. So like sound, smell, touch, taste, and sight which sounds really simple, but it's really easy to forget even like the prime senses when you start describing something in great detail. For me, yeah, and, and for those of you who are like, well, I do need to prep my, I need, do need to prepare my brain to do more of the dis- descriptions. Just remember that, um, well, we did have a, an episode a few episodes ago where we talked about improving your description. So if you wanted to check that out, it's becomingdm.com slash EP45. That's our improving your descriptions episode. So keep an eye out for that if you uh, if you wanted to dig down into that a little bit. Um, and and I, I like the index card idea where you, where, where you really just point out the different ways, like the, the different types of senses that you should include in your description because... I do I do know that I will get bogged down in one and only one and then not necessarily pivot to the others. And so if I have something that that I'm looking at that reminds me, oh yeah, you need to you need to remember that that this smells the way that it smells and and stuff like that. So Also, other stuff that I write on my index cards is stuff that I forget to say um constantly. Uh, everybody's got their weaknesses and like one of mine is I <laughs> I forget to say how big rooms are. I'm always like, you walk into a room, there's four pillars. But I never say, you know, like, or I forget to say, you walk into a room, it's about 20 feet by 40 feet. Or you walk into a room, it's 1,000 feet by 4,000 feet. I, it's just, I just don't say it. I have to remind myself to say it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, the only person who knows what, what you know, what you miss is is really going to be yourself. So just keep mm. keep that in mind when you're, when you're, um, putting together a framework to operate within for for your uh, for your no prep adventure, and uh, make sure that you have those things well defined so that you remember what you need to look for. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you can do theater of the mind, or you can do um, like heavily visually dependent, and either of those can be in person or online. You can do either of them with roll twenty or at a table or other i'm not sure if there's other stuff like roll 20 i'm sure there is i just don't know about it um yeah there's there's foundry and astral and there's a number of of other things and i believe we actually have um 
either an episode out there or an episode planned to talk about it. I can't honestly remember right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so the only big thing that I would note for those two is that uh, for myself, being in person, um, I find it easier to kind of um, respond to my players because I, I, it's like I kind of get like a creative feedback from their attitudes and their movements and stuff. But the other benefit is being online is it makes it really, really easy to hide the fact that you're completely winging it. Yes and no. I, I so this <laughs> is an area where where I'm not sure because. It, it it depends on some of the things that we've already talked about. If you're doing those those um, those highly visual maps and stuff like that, then the absence of those, or let's say maybe you normally have them where you've prepped them on your own, and now you're using stuff from outside, the the changing of the look and feel of them can really clue people into like, oh, what's going on? This is different than usual. So. That's okay, but uh, but I, I think it depending upon how you run your game, you could you could very easily clue people in that you're winging it in either way. Um, yeah, but, but that's fine as long as everybody's having fun. That's not a problem. Yeah, it shouldn't it shouldn't really be a problem as long as they should all just be happy that you're running the game. <laughs> now, but while we're on that topic, I did want to bring up one thing. The one thing I will I will say around running games where you're doing little to no prep is know your know the crowd that you're working with because sometimes they're they wouldn't know. And I, I've seen some people talk about this where they got kind of pushed back from their player group because they felt like they weren't putting in the in the effort or whatever. And a big part of that was they started out with saying Oh yeah, I I haven't had any time to do any prep for this ep- for this session or oh yeah, I was I was prepping like an hour beforehand. Honestly, if you are in a situation where normally you prep and you're in a situation where where you don't prep, don't tell the players. <laughs> in a lot of cases yeah, they, they won't they know. Yeah, they don't need to know. Yeah, they, <laughs> they don't need to know and in a lot of cases they won't know. Um um if you really just have to have them know it, Go through your session first and then afterwards tell them, oh, yeah, that was completely off the cuff. Because if you tell them beforehand, that kind of gets their mind in a certain level of expectation of, oh, this is going to suck because he didn't put a le- put as much effort as, as normal in there. And, and uh, yeah, I'm just ready for this this session to, to blow. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if at any point in time you get into a really big pickle as far as prep time goes, uh, combat, right? Because mm-hmm. combat takes, like, it's, what, six seconds per round? But an actual combat takes, like, hours of actual playtime sometimes. You yep. know, you can have, you know, one full minute of game time take an entire session, whereas <laughs> you can have... You know, your players burn through 16 days by just saying, I'm going to rest for the next 16 days. And all of a sudden you've moved along in your calendar and now this this big thing's supposed to happen. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> Do you like quests? If so, I have good news for you. Darkwind, the sponsor of this episode of Becoming DM, is full of quests for your character to pursue. Whether it's finding the components to make a potion, dealing with the town bully, assembling an ancient artifact, 
or just finding a collar for the local stray. There are a lot of quests to check out, and they're all ranked by level, so you know what you're getting into before you start off. You can play Darkwind and check out all of the quests for free. Just go to play.darkwind.org to start your character today. Now let's get back to the show. Moving on, let's talk about. We're, I know we're talking about low and no prep. We're 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 gonna get into what things that you should prep ahead of time. And, and don't 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 go off the end here because we're still talking about low and no prep. But per session, you can do low and no prep, especially if you have something. I like we've been talking about a framework or things that you've saved, whatever. Let's talk about what what things that that are going to help if we prep them ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, um, if you've been DMing for a while, even well at any amount of time, there's different things that you're going to struggle with uh, as opposed to other things. Uh, For myself, I cannot come up with a name for anything (laughs) in a moment. I I will never do it. Um, I my brain is just like I don't know, Alex. That's Sure, let's roll with that. And it's just, I can't come up with good fantasy names. Um, So I always struggle with that. So I will always have a printed list of names with me. No matter what campaign I'm running, I've just, I know that I struggle with it. So I've got a list. Um, It's printed out. It's right there. So I don't need to worry about, you know, naming all of my NPCs or, you know, trying to figure out all this other stuff. I've just got it. It's there. It's usable. I I will say that that is the has for some reason been the hardest to learn lesson for me because I struggle with names and I know that I should do these things but I still don't <laughs> I still somebody asked me what the name of this person is and I'm like um it's this and end up with something that maybe I'm not happy with so don't be like me uh, <laughs> recognize when you have a when you have a failing and and take steps to work around it mm. another thing I actually found for the name thing is that you can get a dice or a die depending on what you get with just letters on it and mm-hmm. that'll just give you a random letter and you can throw out something based off of that letter it helped give me some like a starting point which helped me uh, before I had my list interesting Mm-hmm. I, that might be like the the uh, the the low prep way for me to <laughs> for me to get around <laughs> not doing even the barest prep of having that list. <laughs> yeah, plus, you get to have an extra die, and you know we all DMs love dice, right? Yep. Mm. So, so I, I, understanding what you struggle with as a DM, I think, is very important because that tells you where you need to prep. Uh, not everybody's going to have a hard time with names. Some some people are going to to have a hard time with with um, coming up with maybe on the fly story hooks. So if you just have a a list, and it does, again, it doesn't have to be prepped before every single session. If you just have a list of even just one line uh, story hook intros, um, that can really be the starting point to to um, to get somebody going. So like just a a one sentence overall synopsis of what the what the buy-in hook is um and those can be really fun i do that sometimes i i've mentioned before i carry around a little notebook with me and if i think of an idea i'll jot down 
what I think the name of the of the story arc might be. And sometimes I build out more story than that. And sometimes I just throw that out there as as a as a a nugget that I let the players win with because sometimes they will make the story better than I could ever make it. Yeah, it works out really great when when they say stuff like that. But uh, as far as like if if you struggle with the story, one of the benefits to doing low to no prep is that you you really don't need to go into it with a story. I fired up a like a 6-month campaign once with 5 minutes warning that I was about to dungeon master a game. <laughs> They're like, hey, look, here's some books. Um, we're about to sit down. Can you run a game for us? And I was like, oh, uh, okay. And so I had no story or any plans for anything whatsoever. And I just, I just started somewhere simple. I was, there was, there was a rat. You got to kill the rat. But then one rat turned into thousands of rats. They overran the town. They were coming from a cave. It all just kind of built onto itself. And so you don't even, you don't really need to prep any kind of story like you were saying earlier take stuff from your players you know when my players are like well if there's this many rats they should be doing damage to the buildings why yes they are doing damage to the building <laughs> as look you at look this, around this you see these yeah. gnaw marks <laughs> yeah and so you you don't even need to have anything you can just grab stuff and just run with it and see what happens yep and and i think that i think that if you're doing that, you, you just called out one kind of key important thing is that you do need to have some flexibility so that when your players throw out an idea, if it's something that you can work into that storyline, that's fantastic. Because first off, the players feel awesome because they figured something out. And and second off, it, it reduces the amount of stuff that you have to do in your in your no prep uh, adventure. Absolutely, it does. And it's, it, you could just roll with it. It just makes your life so much easier. There's almost no work to do. And it's, it's all just fun, in my opinion. I, not everybody likes improv. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you do, you do have to be flexible, like you were saying, and avoid panicking, right? Because if your players are like, oh, well, if there's tons of rats, then they must be doing damage to the buildings. Um, you can't be like, Oh no, they've already been in these buildings. I didn't announce that there was damage. Um, no, your players just didn't notice it when they first walked in. Their perception check wasn't high enough. It doesn't matter. Like yeah. it's unless it's something so so horribly and horrendously obvious like, "Oh, actually no, never mind. 3 quarters of the town was lost to a massive explosion and it's actually a big crater. You know, this place that they've been walking around for 4 months. That's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Unless Wait, it just recently I didn't happened. see any crater until now. <laughs> yeah, well, you didn't get a good enough perception check. I've lived here for 2 years. It's like <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to talk any more about story or do we want to move on to the next thing about uh things we can plan? The only other thing that I'll say about the story is if you do say something terrible like, oh, I forgot that this town was three quarters destroyed by by a crater um, and you accidentally put yourself into a pickle like that, um, again, don't panic. You have all of the time between your sessions to ponder a recovery method for what you have just done to yourself. 
So <laughs> there's yeah, you can, something you can something solve is that is something is in town that is causing them to forget when they're not in the crater that the crater actually happened. Um, you it's, can have a neat, neat little uh, memory wipe story, which is always kind of fun to to throw out there. Exactly. So don't try and backpedal at the table. Just let it ride. Don't let anybody see that you're panicking. And and you've got like six days to figure out what you've just done. <laughs> yep. So that's kind of if you if you struggle with story, if you struggle with with NPCs, there's there's a few things that that can be done. And and again, we're getting into a little bit of prep here, so don't anybody panic. But um, uh, predefine that that nemesis, the the big bad evil guy, whatever you want to call them in your in your campaign. If you're going to have one, you don't always have to have one. It it's it it's a nice foil to the players if you do, but sometimes players don't react to that stuff. So first off, decide if you need one, and you can do some predefinition. And that predefinition could be something as simple as we talked about earlier. It could be a name. It could be some high level characteristics. It could be that's it, um, and then and it gets fleshed out as you move forward. Um, it could even have like no stats. Like I just know that they're they're awesome and they'll defeat anything the players throw <laughs> at it. So they they get massive bonuses to all these things that they roll. Whatever it is, um, having some idea if you're if you struggle with NPCs, having some idea who that nemesis is going to be uh, can can really help reduce the stress level yeah and like you said you do not need to stat this thing out whoever it is whatever it is until you know that they're going to encounter it in session um one huge bonus to not pre-planning this this said nemesis is i don't know if anybody's ever done this but you plan out your nemesis he's going to be amazing he's you know you're running a low level campaign um he's he's a level 10 he's awesome but then by the time that your party, who has spent the last two years fiddling around <laughs> doing all this stuff, by the time that they're about to go fight him, now they're level 12 and they're just going to walk all over him and and now you need to rebuild him or, you know, the whole campaign's just going to go, and it's just not going to be that good of an ending. Um, just You don't need to waste the work. Just do the work if you have to for actually statting out the big finale. Yeah, but you don't even have to necessarily do the work in the finale because you can do things like use old character sheets. So maybe you had a, a character that you feel like is is the perfect counter to the the players to give them a challenging encounter. Um, you can take that that old old character sheet from maybe when you played s- several years ago and be like, all right, well, I, I can use this. I can make this to where where uh, where they have to fight this person, and and it should be pretty awesome. Um, the other thing that you can do is, um, uh, if in, in talking about those those pre built things, is you can look for um, uh, NPC codex type things online. I know that there are some sites that that pre build NPCs. Um, the within Pathfinder, they have a book. It's called the ultimate i'm sure it says ultimate because a lot of their books do ultimate villain codex or something like that and it has the these groups of of villain npcs and they each have their role within whatever villain group they're in and you can either use the whole group or you can use 
one person from this group and one person from that group that kind of meets the needs. Um, that's actually what I've done a lot recently when, when I've had um, leaders of groups that weren't really necessarily important overall, but I wanted them to have a challenging encounter. So I just grab people from that, uh, that codex and move forward from that. Another thing that you can do is, because uh, there's there's randomizers on online and those mm-hmm. books and stuff that you spoke about. Um, something that I like to do because my my players do they are aware that uh, I base I improv um, a large majority of what's happening. Uh, I'll just ask around the table if they encounter an NPC and I I I don't know anything about them. We're all learning about this person together. And I'll just ask somebody, whoever's not talking to the NPC. So say your fighter or barbarian is talking with the blacksmith and they're like, "Oh, well, you know, what race is he?" I'll just ask somebody else at the table, "What what race do you want this to be?" And they'll come up with their own fun things. They're like, "Oh, it's a, it's a this." And you, so the group itself can can be more involved in creating the NPCs and, and who they're encountering and and the intricacies of the people. It gives your players, in my experience, a lot more buy-in to the various NPCs. It can also make things go a little bit silly and sideways sometimes, depending on who's at your table. But chances <laughs> are, if, if, you're, if your players are throwing out silly ideas, then your players are wanting to play a silly game. And so that, right. that doesn't matter anyways. Yeah, I, I think that that um, that if you're able, if you have a group that is willing to interact that way, and not every group is going to be, but if you have a group that's mm. willing to interact that way, giving the, um, especially the low impact things like. Nobody cares that the that the the blacksmith is a is a tiefling named Doug, um, <laughs> but if you give them the opportunity to do that and they do that, that's one less thing that's on your plate. Um, and who cares that it's a tiefling named Doug? Now you've got a tiefling named Doug, that, Doug that's part of your your campaign. And I'm not going to say it anymore because I keep on struggling with <laughs> tiefling named Doug uh, <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> I like it though. It's it's a fun name for a tiefling. <laughs> um, and you also have to be careful about who you ask at your table because some people at your table are not going to be are not going to want to be called on for such a thing. Yep. Um you can't just assume that because one person at your table likes doing this that everybody at your table likes doing this. Some people will not at all. And they will just they will shut down and have less fun because you tried to do this. Um so you also have to be mindful about that. Hey, everybody. We had such a good time recording this episode that we ended up with way more content than we could put in one episode. So we're going to split this conversation into a second episode. So join us in two weeks where we wrap up this conversation about running low and no prep uh, um, sessions. But until then, stay, stay nerdy, nerdy, friends. friends. Thanks for joining us again. Make sure to share the show with friends to help grow our audience. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash becomingdm. On Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, we are becomingdm. And our website is becomingdm.com. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.